Before we start today's episode, I want to give a quick shout out to Zencaster, which is a podcaster's best friend. Trust me when I tell you this, Zencaster is like the Shopify for podcasters. It's all you need to get up and running as a podcaster. And the best thing about Zencaster is that you get so much stuff for free. If you are planning to check out the platform, then please show your support for the Founder Thesis podcast by using this link, zen.ai slash Founder Thesis. That's zen.ai slash Founder Thesis. Hello, everyone. This is Shachindranath. Uh, I'm uh, the executive chairman and managing director of Ugro Capital. Uh, we are trying to build India's largest small business financing platform in India. And it's very good to be here. Small is big is probably the motto of Shachendranath, the founder of Ugro Capital. Ugro Capital is an NBFC or a non-banking financial company that is in the business of lending money to small businesses. And the business opportunity of lending to small businesses is massive. But at the same time, there is a reason why this is such an untapped market. It's not possible to serve this market using traditional methods. And in this episode, you will get to hear about some very unique innovations of Ugro Capital, because of which they are able to tap into this massive opportunity. Shachendra's own journey of building Ugro is no less fascinating. Unlike most founders who first have an idea, then build a prototype and then raise funds, Shachendra started big by directly acquiring a publicly listed NBFC that he transformed into what is today Ucro. Listen on to Akshay Dath talk to a path-breaking founder who created an institution that is built to last much beyond him. So actually my first thought was to create, and because I had diverse financial services experience, my first thought was to create a fund uh, because I have done so much of asset management to create a financial services focused fund which has ability to fund other financial services professional to create multiple financial services business, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so fund which can do. Like this would be like a VC investing in fintechs? Like is that? Yeah, it can be. You know, so that's, a, you know, you can put it in any box, but it was basically a pool of capital vehicle. Uh, actually, my idea of a financial services fund, which could do right from an early stage VC investment to a late stage growth capital in financial services, lending, fintech, you know, asset management, insurance, everything put together. I, and actually, I tried. Uh, so I went to all my friends, people who knew me, and everyone said that you are not an investor. Uh, and I used to get very confused. What do you mean by you're not an investor? He said, look, and probably they were, they were right. They said, look, first and foremost, Shachin, you are an active operator of a business. You Even if we give you capital and you become an investor, for you to give capital to somebody else and wait for him to succeed, you will, you will become very restless because you will like to change things, correct things and do on your own. So don't get into that trap. And second, you know, the, the investor world, the, what is typically called the LPs, would not recognize you as an investor because if I'm if I would have come out of a Blackstone or a Carlyle and would have done series of multiple investment and succeeded in that, I have a track record of investing. I had a limited track record of building businesses, and that's why most of you know uh, my well-wishers said, you know, and that was in first six months of 2016. They said, no, think of a business which you can own and operate rather than you know investing into others' businesses because that's not your core capability. Actually, you know, it took me a little time, you know, to hear that feedback first, saying, look, you don't have capability to invest in our business, you know, but then I realized that probably people are right. 
and then within the broader financial services i had to choose wh- where my you know my heart and you know where i thought that there is i can make a change and that also again came from you know i remember this uh, in 2012 my when my dad passed away he went back to banaras uh, you know when we took him to the ghat uh, all of us and there were almost 2000 people who were waiting there for him to get cremated and i realized that you know we in in private sector we all do a lot of thing we might just earn a lot of money but we don't get respect so i said you know if you look at the broader classification of financial services industry investment banking asset management uh you know high yield lending which is the mid corporate real estate we are not doing good to society at all right uh, because there is nothing which you are doing which which is creating a real impact and that's where i felt that within the you know if you look at each of the financial services pieces lending first because as i said there has to be an alignment with the provider of the capital and the people who build the business lending as a business broadly wherein you can bring professional capital and can you can create exit for them because you know it's an high, it's a capital business it's a high churn business now within that banking is not possible because banking has a very different regulatory construct and that's why outside banking this nbfc becomes fairly attractive right now you call it fintech you call it nbfc you call it what whatever it is but within that you know with my experience i realized that you have three types of lending opportunities but the highest and most meaningful impact in india can be created around small businesses because when it comes to consumer financing business i'm anyway anti consumer hypothesis itself but anyway there are large players like bajaj and few others who have already succeeded in that when it comes why to, you anti consumer uh, lending no no not anti consumer lending i am anti consumerism per se not the consumer ah, lending got it yeah. got it got yeah, it anti consumer the wo to wo to bahut hi bahut hi different angle hai altogether that's very philosophy got it yeah i'm not so i think our country ethos doesn't you know actually fit well with the consumerism but we are all in that trap i don't think so that we can do anything about it you know whether i like it or not like it we will we are moving towards very high degree of consumerism so that, that's okay uh, no but between the what we call the wholesale credit and the consumer and small business financing i realize that if i have to design and you know run or create and or uh, in an institution and my name is recognized for that there is nobody who has tried to create a very large format sme financing business and i was very convinced that uh, you know if i bring professional capital i would be able to create a scale size wherein this providers of my capital can take exit and new set of investor can all the time keep coming so that's the core philosophy i started working on and that's when that that's the you know that's the background of creation of you grow while it is a different thing the way i wanted to create was all very very difficult you know um, uh, but yeah but that, you know i and finally in 2017 i ended up raising a straight 1000 crore of capital which in those times were very very large actually hmm. did you raise the 1000 crore on the back of an idea or did had you already launched yeah, you grow with some the, traction on the, nothing on a piece of paper wow how did you yeah. do that <laughs> 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 no i had nothing i used to call myself a pokra promoter with only a powerpoint presentation running around here and then trying to get capital this <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah actually if you ask this is like debt capital right like uh, equity equity wow uh, equity i always all of it is equity capital 
if you ask me if i ever try doing it again i would say no you know it was <laughs> So, um, so as I said, that look, uh, and, and uh, in your PPT, what was the pitch you were giving to investors? Like, you will create an SME lending NBFC. So, uh, yeah, my pitch was that okay. So, if you come to that, my pitch was threefold. First and foremost was that you know the opportunity is very large. Uh, second is uh, is that you know the the way the mainline lending institution and some of this you will see get reflected from where I come from. I, you know, my presentation always used to start that in India, if there is a dentist and there is an IVF clinic, and both want loan, a mainline lenders would only treat them as doctor as one category. Little realizing that a dentist may have ten patient during the day, but an average earning from those ten patient would be roughly around twenty thousand rupees, right? Two thousand per. Versus an IVF clinic may have just one patient in the day, but that one patient is roughly around seven and a half lakh rupees. But a lender's credit officer, when we'll go for interviewing these two type of doctor, the first question he would ask, sir, how many OPD patient comes to your office every day or your clinic every day? And once the IVF clinic would say, sir, one, then he'll say, अरे ये कैसा doctor है भाई इसके पास तो patient ही नहीं आते. So the way we, I used to say, this is a non-homogeneous sector. Versus lenders are homogeneous by nature. So unless you have a platform which can look, which has an ability to differentiate in this massive non-homogeneous and fragmented, you know, customer set in a homogeneous way, you cannot succeed. So that was my first pitch point. Second uh, pitch point was that you know size of the capital is important because finally lending is a business where you have to give comfort to the lenders to us and to the customer. And that's why my second pitch was that I want to create a, a raised straight size of big size of capital, and I have no problem in getting diluted down. So, uh, what does it mean that majority of the you know founders and, and this is my advice to most of them they they are very bothered about what is my uh, end ownership. And I used to think that look, I have worked for twenty by the time I had worked for twenty five years, and after twenty five five years I had nothing in hand. You know, I had. And I, if I go and work for another company at that age, you know what do you get? You get some ESOP, you get some salary, nothing, right? So it doesn't matter that whether you are a twenty percent owner or a fifty percent owner or a three percent owner, because eventually your two to three percent is is a is a relative term of what size of that percentage. In in the, in our kind of business, you know, we because we are not capitalists. We can never own a business because our percentage ownership. We own our business because our capability and intent of creating scale and build an institution, right? Uh, so, second is that I gave this, you know, uh, optionality to some of our private equity investors who came with me, saying that you don't have to invest at an expensive price. You come with me at par and be a large owner. I would whether I'm a you know three percent or you know ten percent or five percent owner, I would work same way you know as if I'm a hundred percent capital owner. Uh, and third was that I wanted to create a you know pump a, a structure or a vehicle which is being created for permanency. Lot many times you know most of the new ventures are created with an objective to be sold to someone because yeah. if you ask exit, people yeah. yeah what's your exit method you know somebody will come and buy us. I wanted to create an institution, so and these all of this became very difficult 
you know, component when I was raising capital. I said, I want to do it in a listed company format. So I actually virtually created India's first listed SPAC equivalent, wherein I said I will acquire a small shell, not shell, which, you know, a very small listed NBFC and raise all my capital there from true blue-blooded traditional private equity funds so that there is a, you know, uh, the entity and the investor's interests are two different things. You know, I am not designing this business to be sold to someone. Investors would get their exit from the market over a period of time versus, you know, the entity would be created to last beyond me. So it is not created that my son or daughters have to come and take it over. It is not created that I have to permanently run it. So I sometimes it becomes immodest to say that. But think of this. My aspiration was to create a next HDFC equivalent or a next, you know, institutional equivalent for SME financing. You are listed. You have a large capital. You are run and supervised by an independent board. And, you know, financial services professionals who want to benefit from creation, they own, you know, go get equity ownership through ESOP structure and we'll build a scale. And it would change hands, you know, when I'll retire in five, seven years, it would, you know, my next, next level of people would take it from forward from there. So all of this combination, so it's very difficult to put in few lines, right? But all of this is, was complex. But finally, I, you know, I was able to do it. How many no's did you hear before hearing, I guess? Like, h- how hard was that process of raising that round? Like, 121. <laughs> 121 knows. Wow. And you actually like kept track. Huh? I mean, it's it's not like, you know, if you said about 100, but you have that exact number in mind. Huh? So day before yesterday, actually, I was telling somebody that prior to I starting this January, I used to travel business. I used to stay in best of the hotels. Uh, you know, I never had to bother about, you know, you know, what meeting, you know, all of that. Uh, when I was on my own, I... I used to travel from Delhi to Bombay in train. I used to stay for two and a half year in a in a hotel called Hilltop in Worli. Uh, right? Uh, and I used to stay in that hotel purely because I didn't have money. That hotel, the room used to cost me 50, you know, 2,000 rupees per day. right? Uh, and prior to that, I used to stay in uh, four season at Lower Parel. So when I used to go for pitch presentation and people used to ask me, where are you staying? I used to say, you know, I'm just staying here in Worldly, right? Or Parade. So people used to generally think, oh, this guy is staying in four seasons, right? <laughs> I remember one day I get went for a pitch presentation to an investor whose office was in four seasons. Uh, so he said that, oh, uh, no, so his office was somewhere else. But he said, okay, after meeting, okay, let me drop you to four seasons. So I sat in his car, he dropped me to Four Seasons and walked from Four Seasons to, you know, Hilltop. Because I couldn't tell him that, look, you know, I don't have that much of money that I can I can afford Four Seasons. Uh, so so it's it's tough. But yeah, but yeah. Wow. And how many months did that last, that whole uh, struggle to raise funds? I wouldn't say struggle. It's very complex. But, you know, I was always very convinced that I will succeed. Uh, but as I said, I started this right in, you know, Jan of 2016. And, uh, you know, my capital raise, you know, uh, got announced on 31st December 2017. But finally, with, uh, but finally, you know, uh, with all the approvals, because this was a very complex RBI approval and SEBI approval for open offer and all of that happened in July 18. Uh, I first business which we did, our first loan out was on January 19. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. 
And as so, you remember, as you know, to some extent, I was lucky because uh, you know we we ca- got capitalized in July 19. ILFS happened in India in September 19, uh, and immediately, obviously, the whole of the lending market in India went for a toss. Uh, but fortunately, you know, we had, had power, of, power of the capital to build out to this business. And first year we ran between April 19 to March 19. You know, we we conserved our capital. We funded it by equity. Then one year of pandemic actually. Uh, but now we, we've done well. We have a 2,500 crore of asset book. We are doing almost 500 crore a month. We are considered to be the the data tripod, what we call the digitization of SME. We are at the forefront of that. Our data tripod-based underwriting is accepted by almost every large lender. So State Bank of India, Central Bank, IDBI, you know, Bank of Baroda, our co-lending partners. We are growing at a rate of 500 crore a month. There are like a couple of things I, I wanted to understand in terms of the playbook that you implemented, which led you to where you are today. So you said uh, that there was a problem of non-homogeneity, like uh, the uh, like a dentist and an IVF clinic are different, and which is something which traditional lenders don't understand. Uh, which you was part of your pitch that you will solve it. So how did you? Uh, all those tradition, all lenders are lenders to us also. So I never use that term that they don't understand. I think so that because they're most of the bank's business is diversified by nature and they have too many other things to do. So there is sometimes there is a less focus to do it in this way because for a for a large bank in India, if they have to grow their balance sheet in a year by 15,000 or 20,000 crore, SME is not the only way they can do it. No? So yeah, 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 it's yeah. a matter of focus. Yeah. yeah. But but yeah, I wanted to understand how you solved that. That problem that customers are not homogeneous. <laughs> yeah, so two things. One in 2016, um, full year, actually we worked with Crystal, uh, and we uh, my uh, we worked with them and to find the pockets of the sector and sub sector for which can give us the scale, but we are still deeply specialized. So we you know we worked jointly. Actually, it's a work done by us, and then we looked at the entire 180 sectors under which small businesses in India operate. We filtered it down to 20, and then we filtered it down to eight. And we said Ugro would operate only in those eight sectors. Uh, and last year, we added micro-enterprises as a sector itself. So we said that we will operate in education, healthcare, food processing, hospitality, light engineering, electrical equipment, manufacturing, auto component, uh, chemical, and electrical electrical uh, equipment manufacturing. And within these eight sectors, we operate in 100 sub-sectors. So in healthcare, for example, we are not a lender to everyone. We are only, you know, lender to small nursing home, uh, dentist, you know, IVF clinic, pharmacy, right? In education, we are only K-12 and play school. And so in hospitality, we are only to, you know, fast food chain, restaurants, you know, uh, banquet hall. So this is the first, you know, which we said we will define the, you know, playground. But our playground is large, right? So we are not playing a basketball. We are playing game of cricket. We are in the, you know, field itself is large enough. So this, these sectors and subsector contribute 50% of outstanding credit in SME for in India. But more so, we said that these are the sectors which have five basic ca- base characteristics. These are the sector where banks' penetration is lower uh, vis-a-vis other sectors, which means that we have a role to play. These are the sectors wherein you don't need massive geographical footprint. Otherwise, your cost or OPEX would become very high. So if you they're take concentrated agri, in like tier one, tier two cities. So tier one, tier two cities, yeah, yeah. So if you take an agri, which means that you know almost every village and corner yeah, 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 yeah. is physically present, right? Third, we said you know 
uh, we don't want a sector wherein government policy decision can actually uh, affect the business itself. You know, so it's not a question of right wing, left wing, you know, center, middle. You know, these are the businesses which are driven by India's consumption economy. So irrespective yeah. of any cycle of the market, these businesses would continue to grow. Yeah. So these are the core pillar on which we build. So that was the first thing. Second, in early 2016, we had this belief that if you walk in into a chroma store today and you want to buy a fridge, uh, you may have only a fridge may cost you 20,000 bucks. You may have only 5,000 or 3,000 rupees in your pocket, but you can still buy it, right? Because when you go to the counter, he asks you this question, you want on credit or you want on you know, cash? If you want on credit, give your mobile number on an app and you'll get in yes immediately. And in, I think so half an hour, you'll be able to you know, get that workout. fridge loaded to your workout, right? But when it comes to small business, generally everyone believes that I have to go and meet the customer, understand, look at his shop, look at his factory, and then I'll say yes and no. Our belief was that in early 2016 that that is going to change in next year, three years. And actually that is happening now. So first is the focus on what we call our you know sector specialization. And second is the focus on data-driven underwriting. Why this was happening? Because... Uh, think of that five years back, I go to a small uh, manufacturer and he says, sir, you know, I want to give credit to you. Or he comes to us and say, I want a loan from you. For three questions you will ask, what is your revenue? What is your expense? How much of margin or money you make? Right? Because that is only decide no, whether you can take more loan or not. Because your ability to pay back. Answer would be, uh, my look, my turnover or my revenue is not official. Come into my office. I'll show you that how, how I generate my revenue, right? Second, you say, sir, what is your actual expenses in the business? He'll say, look, my expenses are, you know, because I don't want to pay tax to the government. And that's why a lot of my expenses are, you know, other expenses which I put into the business. So please come and understand my real expense. So finally, lender would say, sir, you, your revenue is informal, your expense is more than formal. Sir, please give me a property, I can lend against that because I, I really don't understand your cash flow. Right? But, you know, so that's what we call India's journey to um, collateral to cash flow based underwriting. Today, what is happening? 90% of businesses, you know, their revenue is formal because GST is a compulsory input for us. If you're not in, you don't have GST, we don't lend to you. But we pull, every time a customer comes, we pull his GST data. And GST data not only tells us, tells us about his, you know, turnover, but hundreds of more parameters around turnover, what we call the qualitative analysis. Who you sell? You know, whether you do repeat sales, whether your counterparties are good, whether your counterparties are bad, what segment of the market is. So we call it 400 plus parameters around GST, which you can analyze to profile a customer. Second comes the cash flow analysis, you know. So it's no longer required to go and sit with the customer and have hours and hours of discussion to understand his cash flow. We use the tool of what we call digitized banking. You come to us, you give us your bank statement, we digitize that and our system automatically filters out what is your actual expenses, what is expenses or income which are not related. And then we, our system also have the ability to corroborate the two data, your turnover data to your banking. Third is what we call the behavioral analysis. So a lot of people don't know that now in India, we have 1.2 crore of data or bureau footprint of MSME itself, not the individual, but the business bureau trade record. 
Now that also one is a score and the predictable default analysis on that. But Bureau also gives you much more deeper, you know, insight. So we are not those kind of fintech which says that we have to go and look at your Facebook and your Instagram and that can tell you whether you are good person or a bad customer right so that's not but it's a real data so when you know fetch somebody's business bureau record it can tell us behavior analysis so give you an example if somebody uh, you know bounces his check on a regular basis behaviorally he's not a good customer because he doesn't keep cash in hand to pay his emis in time right so that's a you know it's a red flag so when you combine these three you know what we call the data tripod then you have ability. So today, out of our 450 plus crore of monthly underwriting or disbursement we do, we don't ask any customer his balance sheet, his profit and loss statement, his income tax return. We only need these three things, GST, Bureau and Banking. And then system says yes and no and what level of you know loan the customer can afford. And then when it moves to our credit officer, credit officer have an expert scorecard which is by subsector. So if he say it's a K-12 school customer, uh, then the uh, credit officer knows that he has to go and ask this sir, aapke teachers ko apne pichle mahine mein kitne baat salary time pe nahi pay ki. Because agar usne salary time pe teachers ko nahi pay ki, that is the most prime, most asset for a K-12 school, there is something wrong and there is a weightage provided to that. So he, our credit officer will not go and say, sir, your tea is very good, I put it in your house, sir, your house is very good, sir, No, generally, you know, the credit people go and assess customers' worthiness by asking some random question, right? Which has no meaning, actually. But because they think, you know, we can, we have all the God's gift to mankind and we can judge a customer by asking him random question. No, that's not true. So you ask them questions and find parameter, which is operating parameter. So these are the three core pillar in which we are building this business. You focus on select sector and subsector. We over a period of next five, seven years, build deep expertise around that and being able to differentiate, use high degree of data propensity and being able to say yes and no to a customer and how much he can afford basis data. And third, you know, bring that knowledge and IP at the ground level in a template form. And then underpinning that, you have to build a distribution to reach out the big customers or broad base of customers. Mm -hmm. uh, this uh, sectoral uh, expertise or that template for the credit officer that what questions you need to ask. Um, how did you develop this? So it's a, you know, so if, uh, we are continuously developing it because, you know, it, it will take around four five years. The first exercise was done in 2017, 2018 actually, uh, wherein we did survey of roughly around 8,000 plus customers. And that was a survey done between us, Crisil, outsourcing agencies and our credit officer, wherein we looked at, we looked at 8,000 plus customer on a rating database, wherein we divided 50% pool, which is a bad customer, 50% very good customer. You know, so we looked at two types of nursing home. One nursing home which has ever defaulted and one nursing home which never defaulted. And we did a survey with both of them and compared the operating parameters, what made one versus other succeed. And so like a phone phone survey, like someone would call and ask no, no, questions. Physical survey. Physical survey, 8,000 plus physical survey. And basically that we defined what is called the operating parameter metrics. And now we continuously refine it based on the portfolio data, right? So we have X portfolio across all of our sector and subsector. And wherever we see a little bit of stress, we go back and say, what operating parameter we should have looked at, you know, which we should have avoided this. 
wherein somebody is succeeding that so it's a continuous journey mm-hmm. this uh, playbook of sectoral templates is it something which uh, like you conceptualized it or is it something which you had seen others do and so you knew that this is how we have to do it like how did yeah. this arise because it sounds very yeah, unique yeah. to right. me i've never heard of any company using this approach of and investing so much like you must have invested a lot to get 8000 people surveyed so every startup has a unique story to tell you know and in fact in some of you know you know vc classes this is say oh try getting your idea to be relatable to your own personal journey you know because investors like to hear that complete fall right this is all of the startups in india are nothing most of them are nothing but a replication of some platform some other market and you are just replicating over here right so you know but obviously people like to hear it that way no this has happened because uh, in last uh, uh, between 2005 to 2010 i have seen uh, multiple types of alternative lend- lenders or nbfc succeeding in this idea in different pockets right so so there are companies in india which are very deeply sector focused largely in education uh, so we yeah so we have avans we have uh, you know varthana we have multiple companies who in education financing india school finance company who created financing just on education then there are companies which are focused on certain geographies and are succeeding because india is not just one country right so you have three or four nbfc lender who are focused on south in different states and succeeding there are few in which focus in north au for example was a focus in rajasthan as an nbfc and became bank there are few nbfcs which are focused on cert- certain class of product or type right uh, so electronica for machine tool financing in uh, in pune we have kinara which is small machine financing in south neo growth which was uh, for pass based financing so in last decade or so i have been seeing uh, that you know when you deeply and also second in alternative lenders which is nbfc if you look at big successes versus not so successful anyone who specialized became successful so mannapuram in gold loan companies shriram transport finance in second hand truck finance you know mahindra financing in agri financing so the do broad trend came to my mind over a lot of research one if you're not a bank you have to specialize second you know uh, the people who are doing specialization are doing only in very small segment and they are not raising large capital to build a scale so at they were you know for them to get to a 2 3000 crore even asset book you know is a 10 year journey so these two things i combined you know we have to deeply specialize and we have to focus on sector and obviously as i said your upbringing and all of that uh, you know gave me this idea that why don't we replicate similar hypothesis at a scale got it got it got it amazing okay so uh, who was uh, the investor who funded you like the 1000 crore that you raised so when you know 2007 so our capital came from four uh, you know first you know we did all our capital in between December 17 to August uh, 18 so first four uh, it was four pe investors who invested uh, one is a fund called pag asia which is a 38 billion dollar asia fund uh, second is a fund called adv capital which is a two and half around you know a billion dollar fund again focused on asia third is a fund called newquest which are now actually part of tpg which is a very large secondary pe business in india and fourth is a fund called samina capital which is based out of dubai but is a mina region private equity fund so these are conventional pe funds which have been investing in asian region for a very long period of time 
देन विन इन 2000 जुलाई जुलाई मिड जुलाई और अगस्त आई थिंक सो वी डिड ए पब्लिक मार्केट रेज वी डिड ए क्यूआईपी सो पीएनबी मेट लाइफ एक्चुअली इन्वेस्टेड कैपिटल इन दैट एंड दे आर अ लॉन्ग टर्म शेयर होल्डर टू अस मल्टीपल अदर मार्केट and last we raised around 80 odd crore from few family offices that was more to give people says that you know i'm not i can it's not just i i can raise only capital from professional pe investors you know i can raise capital from family offices as well mm-hmm. so it's a combination so, of the three uh, you said that the plan was to acquire a listed nbfc so mm-hmm. at the time of these conversations around fundraise you had identified that acquisition no. target and okay no. so so tell me that journey no. like like when you were uh, when no, you so got I, commitment uh, yeah मार्केटरी but i was quite convinced that you know the quality of governance transparency and the longevity of you know will happen in this format so once i get a sense that you know or once i you know not on a dotted paper but once i got a sense and comfort that yes there are you know investors who would back me for this i started looking for you know vehicle uh, actually and that became very challenging because i thought you know when you go on you know google up saying listed nbfc you know sub 100 crore market cap there are roughly around 50 60 names would appear right uh, which are listed but nbfcs but have hardly any business and then you think if you have capital then what is the big problem you just go and make an offer to somebody and you know you can buy it out right uh, so actually uh, you know when uh, when we did this we realized that actually there are very far because most of the these listed small listed nbfcs are you know being used or are they exist for some other purpose you know either investment vehicle or it is some groups business or something other but to find a listed vehicle which is really truly clean have no regulatory problem nothing was a challenge i was just lucky actually at there was a point of time i was getting very frustrated we did diligence of almost five actually and finally we came across this you know nbfc called chukhani securities the owner of that was a, you know a old gentleman you know who has kept it only as a investment vehicle for himself had no uses of it you know his son was you know willing to do something else so you know finally you know he said yeah that's fine you know i, um, I would i would own little bit of of this on a continuing basis but you guys can buy it out okay and for this you would have used like an investment bank to help uh, find and फ्रेंड्स So as I said, that for two years I used to stay in this hotel hilltop for for what? This this is what the work I used to do. I used to go Bombay Monday morning, stay till Thursday, go around to every investment bank saying, "Kuch to batao, koi to batao." And they say, "Okay, why don't you talk to this guy? Meet up with this one, then you go and pitch." And they again, you have to. I didn't had money, right? So you have to go and say as if there are a lot of people backing you. You have a lot of capital, and I want to do it, knowing that you know these are two comps things running on side, right? 
I get a vehicle, then I go to investor, then investors have to do, you know, you know, I have to do diligence. So it's too much of time. Every every day I used to think whether this would ever happen or I'm just wasting my time. I don't know, but somehow I felt no, this is definitely possible. If you like to hear stories of founders, then we have tons of great stories from entrepreneurs who have built billion dollar businesses. Just search for the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming app like Spotify, Ghana, Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show. So you like uh, you first created one entity from uh, which was funded by the PEs and that entity then purchased the uh, No 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 no, no 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 so everyone came into the chokhani simultaneously okay 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 and uh, you got some equity at a probably a lower compensation than the investors uh, or no. something like no that. sir but but you're like the founder no i mean so so you would have got some like founder equity so to say no. like no so i think that's you know i was very clear for mm-hmm. people to back me i didn't need anything whatever is my capital i would invest and let investors invest with me you know i would lead uh, so yeah. you invested at the same price as all the pe's oh yeah more or less okay and uh, so uh, and uh, once the investors came in and this company got acquired uh, then you did a qip what is a qip like also which means the qip is a form of a type of a public capital raise which means you file a prospectus and you go to the public market mutual funds and other investors who can fund it yeah. okay okay but there's not like the retail you're not tapping retail here like no no okay 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 got it got it so uh, like now you know uh, around 2019 is when you had the capital then probably your challenge was to build distribution muscle uh, because by 2019 you would have built those templates and you would have built the systems for underwriting and the data mapping and all of that would have got done by then so uh, uh, tell me how you built distribution muscle and uh, first like what is your uh, target uh, company size like were you looking at what turnover of companies to uh, give loans to like what was the so, so we look at from 1 lakh rupees to 3 crore rupees of loans right typically these are uh, you know customers who have turnover up to you know broadly up to 5 crore but we maximum up to 15 15 odd crores right like 1 crore onwards like 1 crore to 15 uh, no actually 25 lakh rupees onwards okay turnover okay. come okay okay turnover so, is this it hmm. which means you can't really do physical distribution then no? because this would be a very large number like 25 lakh rupee business like, like how did you yeah. build distribution muscle like that's what i want to yeah. understand like yeah we are building very no so see lending is a combination of digital plus physical so we are very heavily physically focused business we are now 1000 plus people right in last 12 months we have added 750 people and we are adding almost 50 people to 75 people every month so uh, having done that first and foremost as i was saying that Uh, July we raised capital in ILFS happened in September of 2000 uh, you know 18 and you know it was virtually a freeze on lending business in India especially for non banks right uh, so which means that, that was because our- they didn't have money like, like that's why it was a freeze right it was not like there's a RBI mandate or something like that no it was just uh, yeah the yeah. the they didn't have access, of- the, the tap got turned off by the banks so so they could not yeah yeah most of them yeah so because you know it was what we call layman moment for india right because the largest financial institution just 
you know, fallen like a, you know, pack of cards. But anyway, for us, because we had base, base capital available, we said we will use this time to build. Uh, our distribution, you know, is, you know, designed to service the need from this one lakh to this three crores customer set. And we do it in four different ways. You know, first we said uh, we will service prime customer. Uh, what I mean by prime customer, customer who's who would not give me initial losses on my balance sheet, right? So it's a customer which is which is very rate sensitive, very low yield, but highly secured customer. Uh, but because we were funded up by equity, we said that's fine. Hmm. Uh, so so these are like low risk customers, like people with yeah. good credit history, good credit yeah. score, okay, sub sub ten percent interest rate or eleven percent interest rate, right? See what is lending business? We borrow at nine, we lend at fourteen, we earn five percent, and then that five percent has to manage our cost of credit, opex, everything, right? Uh, but you can afford to do that if you have large capital base because you're not, you know. Finally, because we are every business is is uh, evaluated on the basis of return on equity, return on asset, and the higher that is more the valuation. Your investors are happy, and everyone is happy. So our distribution we designed first, we said we opened nine location in India, which is the top metro location. Uh, we built our platform called Grow Plus, uh, which helped the intermediaries or loan intermediaries, which is called DSS, 900 plus of them to come on our platform and, you know, log in the customer need or files and get approval in the first 60 minutes through our digital platform. Uh, and then, do you, you know, during the pandemic, we evolved our distribution in fourfold. We analyzed this, you know, 22 states, almost 7,000 PIN codes, 25 peer set lender, you know, data analysis and basis that identified five states, uh, which is Telangana, Karnataka, Tamil Nadu, Rajasthan and Gujarat. And we are now entering MP as well, wherein we said we'll build our micro enterprise business. So our first channel is what we call the branchlet channel, which consists of prime customer branches, which are now 14 in eight states and micro enterprises which are 79 location in five states and that is growing to 280 plus location second our channel is what we started building is what we call the ecosystem what does ecosystem mean is that we realize that there is a 100 billion dollar credit gap within the supply chain ecosystem so think of you're a dabber uh, and you know uh, you know if you're supplying something to the dabber you will get financing because people will believe that dabber would pay you on time but if, if you are a, you know, wholesaler of a dabber and a distributor of a dabber or a retailer of a dabber, to purchase material from dabber, you are dependent upon either dabber to give you a working capital, you know, limit, which means sell you an udhar, or you have to borrow from the bank. But borrowing from the bank or NBFC is, is very difficult. So we specialize on what, the, what we call the value chain ecosystem financing. So if you are a retailer of a dabber or a Procter Gamble or any Mac manufacturer, our data tripod decide on an independent basis how much credit you can take. Then we analyze the data of your historical sales propensity between you and the manufacturer and whether there is any credit participation which the, from the manufacturer is coming to us. And basis that we automate credit. So that's our first, second part of distribution which we call ecosystem supply chain. Second, our ecosystem supply chain is what we call the machinery financing, standard machine financing business. Generally, the belief is that if you property against loan, it is safe. Hai. But normally, it doesn't happen because prop, you know, property, and you know, if the customer defaults, you have to go acquire that property, sell in market and all of that is very cumbersome exercise. But there is always a small machine component in any manufacturing, which is called CNC machine. 
and that machine is actually has a self value you know if customer defaults you can take the machine refurbish it and then resell in the market and why we call it ecosystem because we are dependent upon a ecosystem of oems which are the manufacturers because they have the sales distribution network our credit teams would sit there one is like a car financing if the, when the msme customer is coming to buy a machine we will on tap provide financing of the machine and for some you know reason if the customer fails to repay you know our oem was help us to repossess that machine refurbish and sell it so that's the second part so the way you should think about ugro is highly sector focused digital you know branch led channel and ecosystem which is supply chain machine third of our channel is what we are saying is a platform called grow extreme which is we are building india's largest co-lending platform what i mean for general listener to say uh, we our belief is in india that money is in a prerogative of banks right because you know har aadmi paisa to bank mein hi jama karta hai na because banks are considered to be risk free or you know failed uh, uh, you know it will not fail because governments would bail them out but banks ability to then use that money to distribute in the market is very difficult so our grow extreme platform actually help the banks to do co lending with us on the asset which we are originating but also on our grow extreme platform we have now 30 plus fintech and small nbfc which are integrated through an api with whom we are doing co lending right and our eventual goal for a very large bank to be able to do co-lending with one of my you know fintech partner which is integrated through us so can we can channelize the capital from a large bank to the end customer either directly through our engine or through our partners engine and fourth which we are now launching is a card solution which is a gst based credit card wherein anyone who has gst data can come and log in into our system and get up to 5 lakh rupees of credit limit on a card base So this is the four set of engine. You know, it's, we are still early days. You know, we have uh, we have said our mission is to take one percent market share, twenty thousand crore of asset book in by two thousand twenty-five, and that's a very steep task. So we are still working on uh, solving for that. So uh, let me recap. So one is you have the prime business, which is branch led, and which is also fed by DSAs, right? Like the yeah, okay, and. Uh, then you have uh, supply chain financing in which the the retailers and, and you know like further downstream from a manufacturer you are uh, giving essentially like a bnpl service to them like they can buy a goods and pay later yeah okay yeah. okay okay and then you have uh, like the machinery financing which is again like a bnpl like you can buy a cnc machine and pay in installments uh, similar yeah. to what somebody would do at a chroma for a fridge yeah okay okay and uh, then grow extreme uh, this i want to understand a bit more is this a consumer portal where consumers can no, come no, in or no, no. It's, it's, a, it's just a b2b portal where on no, the one so side a, suppliers of funds and the other side people who want to give loans like fintechs they are getting connected yes okay yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, uh, essentially, you are helping fintechs to get capital. Yeah. So, so the way, say, like a payment gateway helps fintechs to not have to talk to banks, but just get a payment gateway. That payment gateway takes care of integrating with all the different banks. So, something like this would help a lending-focused fintech that they don't need to go and talk to fifteen different banks to co-lend or NBFCs to co-lend. They just collaborate with you. 
at the yeah. same convenience of a payment gateway you are giving like a lending gateway in a way to fintechs yeah and today we are providing our own balance sheet to them but eventually we would like our banks to provide balance sheet support to them okay this is a pretty powerful uh, play in itself i, I mean you know like yeah. like uh, this I mean, is like I call, a, i call it a multiplier impact right so not only we are building a lending platform but we are helping for many and many lending platforms to get you know power of capital through us mm-hmm. yeah I, i mean because you know like some of the most valuable fintechs are companies which power their uh, connections yes you know, l- like say stripe uh, in the us is probably the highest yeah. valued fintech because it's powering those connections uh, and so similarly you are building like a version of stripe for powering lending connections yeah Uh, only the, yeah so you're right so, but only thing is that we are listed we are profitable uh, we focus on return matrix we focus on you know gross npl ratios capital adequacy versus lot of vc funded businesses are only selling future and we will get to know about the real sustainability of those businesses over a period of 5 to 7 years that's the orientation difference so uh, I, i want to understand grow extreme better like can you help me understand how the product works like uh, for a so fintech today, do they need to supply this is my target audience to whom i am lending or like how ha- ha- how is that underwriting happening and you know because today, each fintech could underwrite yeah. differently yeah so we only deal with only fintechs or small nbfcs who are in sme folk you know a small business segment so we will not touch consumer will not touch personal loan so if you are a fintech uh, or a, you know and regulated uh, that's most important you have to have some regulatory you should be fintech with a small nbfc and suppose you are lending to customer base of uh, swiggy or zomato right or restaurants attached to swiggy and zomato so you are underwriting credit basis some data we will integrate through an api we have a defined scorecard uh, you know which is a digital scorecard so once that you know that fintech would you know through an api the case would come into our system the data would be retested on our scorecard and then we will lend through that fintech to a swiggy customer right we will have a differential rate you know so they might be lending at say 22% we will agree to pay a fees of 6-7% to the fintech uh, for origination you know and all of the hard work and but the fintech may provide some form of a credit support you know so in case of a loss happening to a customer some portion of the loss they will absorb first so that is one side of the leg happening today other side of the leg is that today you know uh, an idbi is integrated with the grow extreme platform and a customer being you know lend in our prime branch channel idbi is co lending right now with us and our eventual goal is that an idbi or a bank should be able to not only lend for a customer which is originated from our prime branch or our micro enterprises branch but should also be able to co originate and lend to a fintech which is lending to a swiggy customer through our api integrated platform okay okay so grow extreme is essentially uh is going to be connected with every part of the business like these distribution channels which we just discussed each of those the banks would be able to access and decide that okay i want to allocate 50 crore of capital for micro enterprise and that, yeah. that 50 crore then can uh, yeah. be distributed yeah so we are in a very early stage because you know you're trying to uh, 
you're trying to, you know, uh, so these are, you know, people sit in very different, uh, you know, understanding, you know, for a large public sector bank to be able to understand, you know, a fintech doing a swiggy customer restaurant, it's not something which will happen over a period. This is not about, this is not solved. You know, a lot of people like to play, this is all technology related solution. No, that's not true. It is all about behavioral analysis for a, for a large banks to understand and be, you know, agreeable to send, uh, you know, lend to a customer segment which they have never done before. Technology is only an enabler. It is first the acceptance of that. So this would happen over a period of time. That's why when I, if with the, that fintech, if I have done business on my balance sheet for a year, and then when I go to a large bank and say, look at this. I have done with this fintech for one year. This is the portfolio. This is the track record. This is the loss ratios. And this is how we have done it. That gives a confidence to a large bank saying, if you have done it, Right? And then we have, we have to say that, sir, you know, kuch bhi hoga, then we are behind it, you know, by pro protecting or giving our balance sheet support. So that is the way it would happen. Okay. And uh, help me understand this GST-based credit card, like, Essentially, looking at GST returns, which would tell you how much revenue the business is doing, yeah, yeah. you would issue their yeah, so card. Yeah, so, and, you know, the, and then because we have a, what we call a margin analysis by sector and subsector, so GST gives you which sector and subsector the customer belongs, you make a presumption of base margin, which on a particular turnover, you know, a small business would definitely be, you know, making. And basis that margin, you all, you know, set up a credit limit. Uh, like, Credit card needs a bank, right, to issue it. Uh, you need not. No. no. Okay. No, no. What? Like an NBFC no. can also issue a credit card. No, we cannot do. We have to rely on somebody else. So there are, you know, there is a PPI license holders, and the PPI license holders we can do a white label card with the PPI license holder. Our NBFCs can't. It's a it's a regulatory. Uh, you know, RBI gives different type of licenses. A PPI is a one type of license which allows people to issue card. At the back end, there is a bank as an issuer because finally there is to be banking. Yeah, so I don't want to bore your, your audience with the very complex jargon about technology and regulation around that. But theoretically, think of there is a bank which is issuing a card. There is a you know technology provider which is facilitating that. And we have white labeled and we do rest of the work. Okay. So but uh, for the customer... You know, you see this, the, all of the, so you you have an Amazon credit card, which is not an Amazon credit card, no, that's an technically ICT card, or you have an airline credit card. So there are many people who issue cards, which they are not a card issuer. At the back end, there is a bank which does that, but you white label for your customer segment. So the credit card uh, revenue for you would be the interchange, like, like the, the MD, the merchant discount rate, you would earn some part from that, like, like uh, when you issue a card, plus the interest uh, uh, like if somebody doesn't pay in that 30-day window or whatever, then there is an interest charge to them. So that would be your earning. Yes, and also interest if they, you know, uh, if their customer is. Uh, and also we'll give option of customers to converting into a term loan. See, one of the problem for small businesses that they need money for say only for 15 days, but unfortunately they have to borrow for one year because you know lenders lend it for a fixed term basis, which means that for the rest of the period, they are paying interest unnecessarily. This card solution is a solve for that. That if when you need money for 15 days, borrow for 15 days through a card and then you pay it back. But at some point of time, if you want to convert, so suppose you're taking a 5 lakh rupees of limit on a card, but now you think that you would not be, you know, every card gives you this optional of converting into EMI, right? It is very similar to that. You can convert to a term loan, which can be paid over a period of two years in an EMI, EMI basis. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, this card can be used for even, like, say, doing a bank transfer, like, say, for example, paying salaries. Yes, it can. It's a, so this card be issued to the business entity and can be used for any business expense purpose. Yeah, like if I want to pay salary using this card, how would I do that? Like, I mean, it's a credit, it's a card limit. Now you just, you know, there is a limit and there is a credit loaded to that. You pay for anything what you want. No, I mean, you need a payment gateway to use a card. Uh, that will be all integrated. Yeah, this would be all integrated. So back end of this would be like any card which you, you have in this market, right? Got it. Got it. Okay. 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 So, uh, what is, uh, you know, in the long term, what do you think will be the split between uh, these different uh, channels, like the prime channel, micro enterprise, supply chain financing, ecosystem? Uh, so, branch channel will consist of 70% of our asset book of 20. So, 2025, 20,000 crore, 70% would still be from branch channel. Uh, roughly around, uh, you know, 20 odd percent would be uh, our ecosystem, machinery plus, uh, you know, supply chain. Around 6 to 8% uh, would be our uh, uh, our partnership and alliances. It can actually, you should take 60, 60, 20 uh, which is 80 and around 15 would be our partnership and alliances and 5% would be the digital channel, which is the card solution. Okay. So uh, what does a branch here do? Uh, a branch is not like a bank branch where a customer will walk in, right? A branch is rather a, a place where a DSA can interact with the so, company. No, the so prime branch is where in our sales, credit, ops, collection sit. So when a DSA logs in a file on our platform, then, you know, for for the 990 DSAs, there will be a sales force of around 100 people, which goes and extend, make us, you know, DSA understand our product type and help that customer onboarding, you know, is clarification and all of that. Credit would interact with the customer to do, you know, local underwriting, going and meeting with the customer and collection post disbursement would help in terms of if customer need to be reminded and collected, right? In a micro enterprises, actually, <clears throat> all of our origination itself. So there is a large sales force which goes out and, you know, find hunt customers, then the credit underwrites and say yes. And again, same collection. So this is the job of it. Yeah. How do you define a micro enterprise? Sub 25 lakh rupees loan, sub one, uh, sub two crore turnover. Okay. And uh, is it profitable to service them with a sales force? Like? Uh, yeah, uh, over a longer run, yes. Okay. 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 This uh, is the yield band. Right? So your prime customer comes at a yield of sub 11 uh, where your micro enterprise customer comes at around 18 percent yield what about if someone is searching online uh, let's say i i search on google like loan for my business will i yeah. eventually end up at you grow and what will be that journey for in, me in uh, six to eight months time you will not now in what way like like you'll you'll start a uh, online yes yeah so, yeah so like yeah sources. so in, in yeah in you know six to eight months time i think so yeah, if you go to Google, search for this, you see our name, you come on our website, you'll be able to do all that journey. File, you, you know, push, you know, will system would ask your GST and banking uh, and then you'll get an on-tap credit and somebody would follow up and give you the credit. It would happen. Right now, we are doing it in private domain for, you know, so for certain select set of our, you know, segment of the market, we do it, uh, you know. Uh, so, but we are not great, you know, we are not, we don't fancy that we have to digitally market it and then customers would come. Our belief is that in SME businesses, you have to have a direct reach to the customer versus, you know, customer which is coming through this 
digital journeys mm-hmm. okay okay so uh, like a uh, uh, dsa is uh, that that whole dsa ecosystem is like pretty well established in terms of helping businesses to find credits like like this dsas would have relationships with businesses and they would constantly be calling them up and saying ki sir loan chahiye kya and whoever says yes and these are dsas or not what we call grow partners and these partners of course are not typical traditional dsas this can be referral partners chartered accountant tax consultant who uh, have the needs okay. of customers who they have been servicing for a very long period of time see understand this we are coming out of a you know uh, uh, an era wherein every small business used to believe that if he can save 30 35% of tax rate that's his real income right because margins in the business is 10 to 15% and tax saving was 35% so the real margin in 50% right grudge and which means to save the tax the most reliable partner was a chartered accountant or a tax consultant and that's why smes generally uh, you know when it for all their need when it comes to a financial need you know confide with their you know chartered accountants or tax consultant that is getting over over a period of time because now smes are understanding that you know they cannot remain in informal economy they will remain informal and actually credit uh, expansion of credit to them would help them to grow faster so a 10% margin of a 1 crore revenue is only 10 lakh rupees but if that 1 crore turnover company can get a 50 lakh rupees of loan and that can increase the turnover to 3 crore the income is 30 lakh rupees gradually this people are getting this logic now mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. So, so the prime sales team is essentially trying to onboard chartered accountants, tax consultants, etc., and saying that and service and service them and service them. So, prime sales is a B to B to C sales force. Micro enterprises is a B to C sales force. Hmm. And uh, so, uh, help me understand. Uh, you know what uh, the asset book number that you're talking about? What is that? mean in terms of comparisons like you said you are at 2500 crore today um how does that compare to other nbfcs or and, you know and, yeah or fint and you want to be 20000 crore by 2025 how would that compare like because this number by itself may not help someone understand what it means you know so yeah so <laughs> sorry i think so uh, as of today uh, at 2500 crore if you look at the listed universe uh, we would be uh, you know so there are two you know so there are four or five nbfc which are in the range of 4000 plus crore of asset and after that there are big ones which are all above 20000 crore or you know it goes from 20000 crore to see the 150000 plus crore so the top This end of that say, uh, a bajaj would be right bajaj finance then chola sundaram shriram transport finance Uh, you know many of them like that so i think so next year we would graduate to the league wherein that you know we would be the uh, behind the top ones so because the top ones are all 20 25000 plus crores and we'll be just just below that in the bracket of 5000 to 7000 crore of bracket right who are the uh, peers in this bracket 5 to 7000 bracket like no no actually because all of them are bigger so you have you have you know currently i don't want to name them but there are two three which are in the range of uh, 3000 to 4000 crore right so we are we are there right but more, remember this that all those 3000 to 4000 crore have an existence of almost 15 years we have an existence of only two and a half three years right so next year we'll graduate from there 
See, there are two two sets of players. Uh, there are a lot of players who have some form and base base customer engine, right? And they are not profitable, and they want to now add credit to become profitable. Yeah, it can be a payment platform, it can be a marketplace, it can be an accounting, you know, software provider. A lot of people, they you know, who have who are promising that I have a million customer, can I give? You know, you know, fifty lakh rupees per customer, and that's why my book should be this much. That's a promise, right? And basis that you know, I need to raise five hundred million dollar today, right? But our approach is that look, a customer acquisition on a non-credit parameter for solving non-credit solutioning and adding credit to that is a two completely different businesses. I have not seen. a non lending platform to succeed uh, in a you know non lending environment right so i think so that jury is out uh, you know people who have base of customers you know sometimes i also wonder should i go and acquire somebody who has existing customer base of a say million sme customer so that i can funnel credit to them but then you know today you know the through our engines the number of customer who are coming to us we are not being able to service all of it right because end of the day i need ba- banks and financial institutions to lend to me to being able to lend to others right it is not a it's just not a game of as customer acquisition it is a game of giving uh, being resilient being able to control credit quality and being able to borrow on balance sheet to lend to others right Okay, okay. So it's not a, a demand problem, you know. You, no, need to, you need to build supply, and in order to build supply, you need to have a reputation of uh, credit right. control, trust collection. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. So, uh, what is your uh, collection strategy like? So, look, it's a physical plus digital again. You know, we do lot of massive data analytics around our customer again. Hold this tripod of data, so the bureau, the banking. We give an early advance signal of customer behaviors, right? And basis that you know, system triggers different kind of collection strategy. 
almost 95-8% of our collection is digital, right? So we hit bank account and collect money from there. We are not a cash collection you know, mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. But there... Like customer know, gives some sort of mandate uh, which allows you yeah, to... Yeah, it's direct, money from bank account. Okay. Yeah, but you know, if our, our EWS system is saying that this customer has bounced his check to three of his lenders, so it's an early warning signal which means that it would trigger to our collection team to go and have a conversation and ensure that, you know, we get prioritized, right? Or what other support we can provide. So before we become defaulted, that's our collection strategy. You know, use data analytics to provide early warning signal and then, you know, trigger collection strategy basis that. Hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, What is the EWS system? Early warning signal. Early warning signal. Okay, okay, okay. Got it. And... uh, what is the health of your portfolio? Like, what is the NPA percentage? Yeah, so I think so. One good thing about pandemic to us is that in 2000, remember, I remember 2019 when I used to make this presentation to people about sectoral approach, data analytics, you know, data tripod, India is changing, collateral to cash flow. General job that you can do business, portfolio, Okay. Nobody said this in, in France. This is all general. a story or a presentation. We have right? But we have a pandemic. pandemic two rounds of pandemic, you know. And then when now we say, look, it worked for, us, for an event which was never ever imagined, right? And look, relatively our portfolio has held on. So today we are at a, almost 2% of gross NPA. Uh, net NPA would be 1.2%, collection efficiency 97, 98%, uh, you know, restructuring very low, uh, gen- you know, gen- all of that parameters, we on a on a relative term, we do much better than any of our peer set. That gives confidence to our lenders that these guys, for a completely unplanned event, could still hold on to their portfolio quality. That has been good for us. Pandemic has been good for us only from that context. Not that, you know, we were very confident from day one. Pre, you know, without pandemic, we would have been at a 1% gross NPA, but post pandemic, we are at 2%. You know? What was the uh, pandemic impact for you, both positive and negative? Like, uh, did it help so, you get, uh, yeah. like, disperse more? Or like, No, I don't think so. It's not that, no. So I think the pandemic positive impact was that we are able to prove our model to the markets. Uh, again, we like could, you got stress tested. Like the, the pandemic helped. Yeah, it's taken five years for people to stress test and the seasonality of portfolio. We got a stress tested early. That has gave confidence to our lenders. Second, is that we were we had a pause of almost seven months. We used that pause to build our infrastructure because we still had you know capital capacity. So we've grown our distribution infrastructure, we've grown our digital infrastructure, technology, all the processes and all of that. Otherwise, sometimes when you start, you don't never stop. You just, you know, start then struggling with the, you know, operating processes. So that that was second uh, big impact. Uh, yeah. And third, I think so, digitization, because there is a general resistance in lending industry that a lot of people will say that digitization is not possible. So, for example... If I tell you that if you can take a loan and actually you don't have to walk out of your home and sign something on a on a you know pen and paper and but you can get a loan pre-pandemic it was considered to be impossible. No, the regulation, the law, the technology was all there. 
But by force, now we have adopted it, right? So we are giving in certain segment of the market, we are giving loan without actually a, no wet signature at all. Uh, you know, this <clears throat> general, you know, I used to go and tell our credit officer, ki, yeah, sabse ja ke milna bhai, kya lete ho? No, right? You know, like all this, this, you know, whole offside, you know, thing. Oh, we'll go to Goa, we'll go to, you know, and meet, you know, in, you know, this big halls, 100 people coming together and doing offside, because bonding is Actually, not, not, not true, it's bonding, right? Abhi to sare 500 people on a team call, a Zoom call, also are bonding now, because, you know, there's no other choice. So today, nine, you know, 50% of our PD, which is personal discussion, don't happen in physical way, right? It happened digitally. You know, there are, you know, outsource agency who go and record videos of the premises and everything. So I think that the pandemics, uh, you know, force multiplier impact on digitization is very high now. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Okay. Uh, you, you said you have an NP of 2%. Uh, again, can you help us understand what that number means in context of like, how much does a bank have as an NPA or like, what does this number mean? Is it above industry standard, below industry standard? What, you know, just... Yeah. I know, look at it. So generally, <clears throat> you know, it varies, but I think the so banks, you know, public sector banks, uh, you know, would have it in the range of 12 to 18%. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You know, so that's the highest point. And then variety, degree of, you know, this would be, this should be lowest in the industry. I must say that. Amazing. Okay. 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 So, uh, uh, and what is your uh, market cap right now? Roughly around 1500 crores. And how how has that, uh, like, what has been the trend there? Like at what pace has it grown or? No, it has not grown. I think so because, you know, one of the challenge uh, is that public market investors, you know, the mutual fund, the, you know, I think so they don't give us. Uh, so, Abhi, you know, <clears throat> there are few fintechs who have never made profit in their life. Uh, and one of them actually says, please don't ask me when I make profit for next five years. <laughs> few, few VCs have funded them and you know those VCs have taken their price artificially when they went to the market market you know bought them at you know I don't know what metrics I don't really understand and since they have floated then every day their price keep coming down and you know and you know, finally the public market investors are taking loss on that but when it comes to us obviously people compare us to an NBFC or you know which is already in existence for 25 years yeah, right and then they think this is sub-skill. I thought that public market is a very smart place and they would play the growth which we will demonstrate over a period of time, right? Because why public market has to go and buy so expensive for things which we are not proven? We are proving every day, right? So you buy buy us so cheap and be part of my growth journey, right? Somehow that has not happened, but that's fine. It's okay. I'm patient. I think so. But we've done relatively last three, two quarters. I've seen much more improvement. You know, we used to trade below. So the parameter and just so that you ask this question. So the the market mean uh, is what is called a tra- price to book trading multiple. And most of our peers said would trade at around 3.5 time price to book, which is my you know, network divided by number of share, which is your book value. And then there is what is the multiple market provides you. We are trading at 1.5 times still. Uh, what are the challenges of running a publicly listed company? 
that you know things that uh, somebody who's never run some something that they should be aware of, like what what could be the pitfalls and what could be the things to avoid, and you know what have been your own learnings that that would help other people running a publicly listed company. Yeah, look, obviously. Uh... See, I you know I have run businesses of a scale, so it has not been a challenge for that for me personally. But uh, and like, Delicate okay. was listed, like uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, and also I've seen businesses of size and, and all of that. So for me, it is not a personal challenge per se. But yeah, it's an overload of regulation, compliance. You know, another you know, not many other things. What you can do, what you cannot do, so on and so forth. So my suggestion is that, you know, choose, you know, at a point, if you are a, you know, if you're a financial services and a balance sheet led business, being listed helps because people get faith and trust in the transparency and public disclosure which you make. But if you're not a financial services business, you know, choose it when you really need it, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. Okay. So uh, what are, what are your personal, uh, you know, things you want to do? Uh, within the organization as a CEO uh, to hit that 20,000 loan book target? Like, like what will be your focus areas? Will it be invest more in technology or will it be in recruitment and talent acquisition? Or like, you know, what, what, will, what will be those things that you will personally have a lot of focus on? So our, see, the, the, our roadmap and how we'll get there, what components would contribute is very, very crystal clear, right? Uh, so first, we have to continuously focus on our data analytics and technology, and we have to keep investing for that, right? Because this is an ever-evolving. Second, we have we have to grow our liability side, which means we, uh, more and more large lenders have to come to us to funnel our growth. And third, we have to you know keep working and making our distribution profitable, right? So last year we have invested very heavily in our micro enterprises infrastructure. So today we have seventy nine locations contributing to twenty odd crore. So our focus is that that get to a you know, point of break even and start contributing. Uh, but our base, you know, so this combination of continuous focus on data analytics and technology, continuous focus on building a profile and trust among lending institutions. And third, it's keep focusing on making our distribution more profitable and being able to service the customer would take us there, you know, naturally. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what does uh, investing in data and technology give you? Like, what number would it move? Like, you know, if it's a lever that you're moving, is it uh, like, is it the NPA rate which gets uh, moved by investing in data analytics or what? what is it? Or do you get more profitable, like you're able to do better pricing of loans? Or? All together, you one, you know, being able to filter between good and bad customer. Second is that being able to price your risk is all a function of data analytics. Saying yes and no to customer in you know 30, 30 minutes time or a, you know 10 minutes time versus taking seven days, right? Uh, and second, whether you should lend at 13% or 17% uh, and what is the projected loss ratio is function of data analytics. Uh, third is protecting your balance sheet, which is what I call about EWS system. And eventually this lead to what we call in better, you know, income OPEX ratios. Because our OPEX to our income ratio would be superior to conventional lenders because we are not wasting too much of time. Yeah, help me understand what is the income OPEX ratio? 
for a hundred what is your you know expense to your so to earn a hundred rupees if your you know expense is 50 rupees or 70 rupees right so if, if my comparative you know traditional lender have a 70 rupees of ratio i would have 50 rupees over a period of time if you like the founder thesis podcast then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing technology career advice books and drama visit the podium.in that is T-H-E-P-O-D-I-U-M dot I-N for a complete list of all our shows. Before we end the episode, I want to share a bit about my journey as a podcaster. I started podcasting in 2020 and in the last two years, I've had the opportunity to interview more than 250 founders who are shaping India's future across sectors. If you also want to speak to the best minds in your field and build an enviable network, then you must consider becoming a podcaster. And the first step to becoming a podcaster starts with Zencaster, which takes care of all the nuts and bolts of podcasting, from remote recording to editing to distribution and finally monetization. If you are planning to check out the platform, then please show your support for the Founder Thesis podcast by using this link, zen.ai slash founder thesis. That's zen.ai slash founder thesis.